Don't. Oh, oh. Tenshi Mai! <laughs> I can recognize that as profile. Like that did not look like Tenshi him. Mai. Wow. So this was for a uh, by-election, uh, and this was in August. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this was before the election took place. So I guess it was a hug for well-wishing him. Yeah. Wishing him well. Mm. Or congratulations. Congratulating or him. Yeah, finally. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of things. Yes. All right, let's have a look at the next picture. At the Pride Parade. There's okay, a so rainbow what do you flag. See? Yeah, rainbow flag. That um, gives you a good clue. Two people are hugging a, in the... A guy and a girl. Left foreground. Are they getting married or did they get married this week or something? We actually don't know if it's a man and a woman. Oh, okay. You guessed correctly. This is at the Pride Parade that happened last weekend. And it is two people uh, hugging each other, a sign of support. Just because. Okay. Yeah. Just because hugs are some of the best. Hugs are some of the best. We like hugs. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? When the RTI Vietnamese Services, VFAM, walked into my studio a few months back with a question about English pronunciation, I didn't realize I was meeting a TV star for the first time. I don't watch much TV to begin with, and we in the English service don't see much of our Vietnamese colleagues, separated as we are by a long corridor. But I've been learning Vietnamese for something like a year and a half, and here I thought was someone who could help me when I have questions about Vietnamese pronunciation. We struck up a conversation, and then a friendship. V has even managed to get me to do an embarrassing interview about learning Vietnamese, carefully editing what clumsy bits of the language I've managed to acquire. But when I saw her recently in an advertisement, I realized there was still a lot I didn't know about her. I didn't know she had an outside career acting in ads and TV dramas. I had no idea she was expecting a second child either. And I didn't know how or why she had come to RTI, or even Taiwan for that matter. So I thought that since she had interviewed me, it might be nice to interview her for a change. And not just about her own story either. V knows all sorts of people in the Vietnamese community here, and she has her finger firmly on the pulse of Vietnamese immigrants, workers, and students alike. So she can tell us something also about how her life in Taiwan compares to the average Vietnamese person here. To start with, V lays out the picture of how many Vietnamese people there are here. She estimates the total number is around 600,000, if you include immigrants, migrant workers, and students in that number. That 600,000 breaks down in an interesting regional way. Most immigrants come from the south of Vietnam, while most migrant workers come from the north. Here's what happened. V says that in the 1990s, when Vietnam first opened up to foreign businesses, Taiwanese firms first headed to the south, especially to the economic center around Ho Chi Minh City. Taiwanese businessmen, and Vietnamese women in particular, have therefore had several decades to become well acquainted, fall in love, and relocate back to Taiwan as married couples. In the early days, V says, this was often a bit of a transaction, with matchmaking companies helping to introduce prospective couples and seal the deal. These days, though, changing ideas about love and the ready availability of dating apps means that the surviving matchmaking companies have mostly had to turn instead to working as consultants, helping deal with the paperwork and legal issues that always face international couples. 
。那北部的移工为什么比较多？因为呃，越南政府开放。Northerners, by contrast, have come to Taiwan because the government has encouraged them to do so. Fi says, "Of course, they'll send money back home, and that'll help with local developments." And when we say Northerners, we don't mean people from Hanoi. Fi says it's the northern countryside that supplies the bulk of workers here. In recent years, there's also been a wave of Vietnamese students, and these come from all over the country. Fi says, "Fi herself came to Taiwan 16 years ago." I'm 18. 高中毕业的时候就选择来台湾学中文。She says she was an 18-year-old student fresh out of high school. Her goal at first was to study Chinese, but then after a while, she decided to stay on for university here. There were relatively few Vietnamese students here back then. Most of them opted, as they still do, for Japan, South Korea, Singapore, or somewhere in the West. At her school, where she studied TV and radio broadcasting, she was the only Vietnamese person. She joined RTI's Vietnamese service upon graduation, and later met her Taiwanese husband. 二零零七年之后，那时候开始开放啊、uh, FM 频道。It turns out that her work at RTI is a little bit different than mine, or the work of my English service colleagues. For one thing, she's not targeting an exclusively foreign audience. Of course, the Vietnamese service is part of our shortwave operation, which actually targets Vietnamese speakers worldwide. In Vietnam itself, of course, but also the many other countries around the world where Vietnamese people have migrated. But since 2007, we've also had a domestic FM frequency for the Vietnamese service. So while the English service might focus on news, local culture, and human interest stories, the Vietnamese service, well, they do all that too. But they also have to cover some more practical ground, things like how to communicate in Chinese and details about labor law for an audience that lives here. 我以为是临时演员，结果不是，他们是真主角。Of course, as we've already hinted, V's done a lot more than just host radio programs. Her acting days, it turns out, started much earlier than her radio career. During her time at university, she interned at RTI, where a Vietnamese service host asked if she would like to act in a TV show. V said sure, thinking she'd just be cast as an extra and earn a little pocket change. After auditioning, though, it turned out she'd landed a role as one of the lead characters. At the center of this drama were the lives and struggles of a group of Vietnamese women who'd immigrated to Taiwan. The whole script was based on true stories. After appearing in this series, people began recognizing her on the street and even asking for autographs. These days, she's still hosting events and starring in ads like the one I saw not long ago. But though directors have kept approaching her since that series aired, she says she's discovered that she doesn't really like acting in front of the camera. That role just suited her, she felt, and she hasn't felt that way about any role she's been offered since. Her love, in any case, is the radio. V's early years in Taiwan were well before Taiwan's current pivot toward Southeast Asia, the so-called New Southbound Policy. This policy has been a game changer in several ways, both for Vietnamese people's interest in Taiwan versus other places, and in terms of how Taiwanese people view Vietnam. 去台湾留学，它就造成了一股风潮。It used to be that studying in Taiwan was something that no one in Vietnam really considered. When V first announced she was coming here, people assumed she was coming here to get married, as many other Vietnamese women were doing. But in recent years, she says, generous scholarships introduced with the new southbound policy have created a buzz about studying in Taiwan. The conditions students from Vietnam are offered are just too good to refuse, and so COVID notwithstanding, they're coming in large numbers. 
Another thing the southbound policy has done has encouraged more than just wives and laborers to come here. These days, people from all walks of Vietnamese life come to Taiwan as students or business people or tourists as well. V says this gives people in Taiwan a much clearer picture of what Vietnam really is and how fast it's advancing and becoming rich. Unfortunately, it seems there's at least one initiative introduced as part of the policy that might only have limited results. That's the introduction last year of Southeast Asian language classes for elementary school kids. The key reason is that these classes are very short and only take place once a week. And V says she understands. It's not like there's any other class they can take time out of. She says that Taiwanese kids are so busy with evening classes and private tutoring after regular school, not to mention all the homework. There just isn't time to shove another subject into all that. And outside school, the natural environment for learning just isn't there for most of the kids. But V isn't letting all this deter her from keeping her Vietnamese roots alive and well, or for trying to pass on the culture and language to her own kids. She has a two-year-old, and as we've said, is expecting a second child. For herself, she says, the best way to keep her Vietnamese heritage alive is by socializing. Like we said, she has all kinds of Vietnamese friends here, and staying in touch with them is what helps keep her from forgetting her roots. Passing on those roots to her kids may be a bit harder. She gives as an example her sister's Taiwan-born child. This child has grown up natively bilingual, but until recently, if you talk to her in Vietnamese, she would only ever answer in Chinese. It's something many bilingual families have probably seen with their own children. And in any case, V says, she only has a certain amount of time alone with her children each day. When her husband's around, or his relatives, she doesn't feel it's right to be speaking a different language from everyone else. Plus, they're kids. You can't give them formal classes or lecture them on Vietnam's culture and history. V's strategy so far has been to tell her kid stories in Vietnamese and talk to the kid in Vietnamese in an everyday sort of way whenever no one else is around. She believes all this will just build up over time to allow her kids, like her sisters, to at least understand. Her kids also belong to a younger generation than their cousins. This generation is filled with half-Vietnamese Taiwanese people just like her kids, people who will grow up proud of both sides of their heritage. I'm John Van Trieste, still a little starstruck here, and I'll see you again next week. We take so many things for granted. For sighted people, the ability to see is such a huge part of our daily experience that we almost never think about it. Unless we need new glasses or somebody turns out the lights. Recently, I've been teaching radio classes at the Taipei School for the Blind, and it's been, suffice it to say, an eye-opening experience. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, my students take us on a tour through their world of sound. An ear to the ground.
We're sitting in front of a computer, and my student Ji Xiang is typing away. I'm having a hard time processing what's going on because there are so many sounds pouring out of the speakers. He tells me that the computerized voice is reading out the words as he types them. Jishang has clearly become so adept at using the system that he's able to listen in fast-forward mode. Even his own style of speaking matches the speed of the computerized voice. He tells me that he likes to watch YouTube videos, and yes, in Chinese, the visually impaired students always. Always use the word for watch and look when they're speaking, much in the same way that sighted people do. They watch movies and they watch TV too. He tells me there's a song he likes called "Military March" by Schubert. He types it in using a phonetic alphabet and checks to see if the computer chose the correct characters for the words he was trying to type. After all, there are many different characters with the same sound in Chinese. Now, to check the characters, he refers to a little box next to the computer called a screen reader, which has a row of 45 braille pads. Little pegs jut up through the surface, creating the bumps in different words as he types. With his right hand, he feels the characters one by one, and it turns out that they're all correct except for the last one, which he quickly changes, and then he hits enter. As Jishan quickly scrolls down, searching for the right song, the reader sounds like a broken record, and the little pegs on the panel click up and down, forming different words so quickly that it becomes a blur. Jishan's found what he's looking for: Schubert's Military March, and he presses play. After all of the chaotic sounds of the high-speed computer voices and clicking keys, the sound of classical music brings a momentary hush over the computer room. The students at the Taipei School for the Blind are lucky to have access to software and hardware that enable them to surf the internet. About a decade ago, only 600 of Taiwan's 50,000 visually impaired people had that luxury. In 2003, local programmers developed a screen reader called Super Braille, which can deal with both Chinese and English on a Windows operating system. The development process went years over schedule, but it's brought down costs and changed the lives of thousands of people. Dishan tells me, though, that there are still some pitfalls for visually impaired people surfing the net. If you encounter files with pictures, like PowerPoint or PDF files, he says, they're impossible to read. Before we leave the computer classroom, Jishan types up a phrase for me, and for my benefit, he slows it down. You can hear the computer repeating the command "慢点" or "slower," and then he plays what he's typed. This is the third-floor computer classroom at the Taipei School for the Blind, and we are currently in the process of collecting sounds.
And with that, we set out from the classroom in search of the next sound in our audio treasure hunt. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. So we actually just wrapped up a whole month of vegetarian programs. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is the first week in November is actually about veganism. Wow. So we are doing a vegan show today, but it's not just about foods. It's about a vegan lifestyle. Wow. Mm. You know, I think uh, a lot of people confuse vegan and vegetarian, right? Mm. So being a vegetarian in Taiwan, it's easy, but being a vegan... Might not be that easy because it's uh, it's essentially you don't use any... Uh, animal products or animal byproducts. Mm. And just to give you an example, the ink that's used for tattoos is uh-huh. often made from charcoal, which doesn't sound like it's, it has anything to do with animals, right? But actually, charcoal comes from burning animal bones. Ooh. Yeah, a lot of times it comes from burning it. Not always. How about the ink that we use for printing? I'm not sure, Ellen Chu. Mm. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm thinking maybe we have an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we should look into that. That would be very interesting to find out if the ink that we use in our printers is vegan or not. I tell you, I am the scientist. You are the scientist. Right? And you're I, saying what? I find all the problem and you find the solution. <laughs> wait, wait, I thought you were the scientist. You're supposed to find the solution. <laughs> I raise the question. Uh-huh. Okay? Okay. And I, now you go find the answer. I, I appreciate that in you. Um, okay. Maybe not the second half. I don't appreciate that part. Thank you. But, show all hmm. of this is to say, in today's feast, we're going to meet someone who has created an everyday vegan product that is good for the body and for the environment. And we're going to hear about hmm. their experience with this product and with a vegan lifestyle in Taiwan. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I am too. I think they're going to be arriving in any moment, and we're going to find out all sorts of things that I have never even thought about before. Mm-hmm. So, shall we check out what's on our menu? Sure. In our first course, we'll begin with a Amuse Bouche, a vegan coconut refresher that is a final reminder of summer. Yes. Okay. In our second course, what is a vegan lifestyle? We're going to be turning to entrepreneur Doris Chang, who will act as our guide. Ooh, and our third course, Doris will introduce us to their vegan sunscreen lotion. Mmm, mm. very exciting. Aren't sunscreen lotions vegan already? I thought they were. Hmm. I'm trying to imagine what would what's animal related to a sunscreen lotion. We have so much to learn, Ellen Chu. Sunscreen. So much to learn, Ellen Chu. What's inside? Well, we're going to find out in just a moment. Okay. I think we should go into a song. Uh, right. And while we're playing this song, we can all 
think about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to say, I found a song called Sai, which means don't use sunblock. Um, but in parentheses, I'm going to add the words, unless it's vegan. Okay. Did you like how I did that? Do you like yes. what I did there? Yeah. Very good. Okay. And it's by Hotcha. <laughs> and apparently this song is in Cantonese, too. Have a listen. Okay, so we're going to give everybody a boost. A boost. Right. A boost. We're going to have an amuse-bouche. A (laughs) boosh, but I would say it's a boost. It's a (laughs) a boost for your boosh. Mm -hmm. So we want to introduce our guests, and their name is Doris Chang. Hi. And they are an expert when it comes to vegan lifestyle, and also they are an entrepreneur. Yes. Which is super exciting. <laughs> so excited already. National high. This oh. is just adrenaline, actually. <laughs> <laughs> They've got also pink mm-hmm. hair, which I think is pretty mm-hmm. exciting. I love it. And it really, it goes with your pink um, headset. headset. That's right. Because, you know, this is my, my color, pink, uh-huh. you know. I usually be, like, wearing pink all over. Yes. You know, pink is my thing. So when I saw your hair, super excited. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, so yeah. we actually want to get things started because we're talking about vegan lifestyle. Mm. And uh, in a moment, Doris is going to be talking about some vegan products, mm-hmm. um, specifically one that they have uh, created themselves. Um, but we want to start off with an amuse-bouche. So something to sample um, tell us what this is. This is something you recommended. Okay, so this, I actually just saw this in Esleet the other day. It is by Cole Coconut, which creates coconut juice and coconut milk products. Um, and this is their new, like, mini taro coconut milk. So it's just taro, coconut milk, and then, like, a little bit of sugar. It's very mm, tasty. It's all right. good. Take a sip, everyone. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Oh, it's so good. I love mm. it. It is good. Yeah. That is very nice. It's you know, very... I think this is kind of like, you know, having a Thai dessert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has taro and then coconut milk yeah. in there. It's, it's like, like a, a vacation sh- in your mouth. I know. It is. Mm. Wow. wow. If I have some shaved ice right now. Oh, just, yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. So how do we know this is vegan? Like, what's um, the deal? What's going on here? I usually just look at the ingredients. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this one is all in Chinese. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can probably email them if you can't read Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did do a little search on them on the internet, and mm-hmm. they said that this is indeed a vegan product, which is yes. very exciting. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been vegan for, Doris? Since like 2014. Okay, so wow. it's a really cool story. I actually, you know how in Taiwan we do like shuyun? Uh-huh. So like you make a wish and you like, some people go vegetarian. Right. But the thing was, I was already vegetarian. So, so I was you, like... You took the next step above, <laughs> yeah. right? So I was like, okay, well, I'll go vegan. So uh, I tried okay. it and it was for a pageant. So I was at a pageant at the time. A, a pa- beauty pageant. A beauty pageant? A beauty pageant, yeah. Really? Yeah. So oh, wow. It was, and it was actually for, it was Miss Taiwanese American. And so. did you win? I, I was one of the finalists. Oh, so I feel wow. like it worked. <laughs> Wait, weren't you one of those two? Oh, no, you were... I was Miss Asia. <laughs> Miss San Asia. Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's like similar, right? Right, but yeah. I, I didn't go make a wish, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. Because okay. I was really nervous. I was okay. like, okay, we're going to shoot you in. And then I was like, bye-bye to the ancestors. Wow. Like, okay, I'm going to go vegan for like three months. If I make it to the finals. And wow. then you did. Great. And I did. Was it hard so. to do? It was super stressful, yeah. Because vegan Mm -hmm. and vegetarian is quite different. You know, I was Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the show, we were talking Mm -hmm. about like most people in Taiwan, it's pretty easy to become vegetarian living in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. But vegan Mm -hmm. is the next step above an extreme. Yeah. Right? I think it's really difficult because we don't have as many like dairy and egg substitutes Uh as we do in the States. And like people don't have that like idea they don't have the rensu mm-hmm. so you'll go somewhere you'll be like okay i would like this but without the egg on top and they'll be like no we can't do it and you'll be like why just like take it off for, and for be like, instance like yeah. what kind of dish um just like the other day so like my boyfriend he went to get this like jian kang tan and mm-hmm. they have like the a healthy meal a healthy meal yeah so he they have like the vegetarian version it's got an egg on it and he's like okay so i don't eat egg can you take it off and they're like no we can't and mm. he's like, wait, why not? Why not? Just take it out. I know. But then they were like, it won't taste the same. And like, blah, blah, blah. SOP, we can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, okay, fine. Like, we'll get it. But then we're going to take it out. And it's right. like, we don't want to waste food. But right. it's difficult. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, there's a certain rigidity that you have to overcome, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I have like a 50% success rate. Okay. <laughs> so 50% of the time, they're like, yeah, okay, we can do it. And then 50% of the time, they're like, no, we can't. But the amazing wow. thing is, is every time you have an experience like this, mm-hmm. they're actually learning or growing, hopefully. Yeah. Or they're getting used to somebody asking for something that's vegan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And they're like, I think recently, especially in like, because I came to Taiwan initially in like 2011. And at that time, there were virtually no vegan places. Mm-hmm. And in the past five years, since I've been back in 2015, there have been so many places opening up and just like the general awareness has really been growing. Okay. I was actually talking to somebody uh, who's also a vegan food entrepreneur and we Mm -hmm. um, had him on the show with the Mm -hmm. coconut yogurt. Oh! James, right? Uh, Yeah. 
And he was saying uh-huh. that some of the best vegan food actually is served at non-vegan restaurants. Yes. Do you find that true. this is a, a new trend where a lot of restaurants are actually starting to have vegan offerings, mm-hmm. whereas they might not have in the past? Yeah, definitely. I feel like because people ask for it, and then like, because a lot of people are also going vegan for health reasons. So like mm-hmm. recently there was a documentary called Game Changers, which was about like, you know, like highly competitive athletes and they're going vegan because they're discovering that a plant-based diet is easier on the body and it helps, you know, your recovery time. You have less muscle soreness, you have more energy. So a lot of like performance athletes are going vegan. And so Mm. obviously, you know, they're going to these places with friends and be like, hey, can you make me something without any animal product? And I think that's actually really interesting, that narrative, because we've always been fed this narrative that in order to have enough energy, you have to eat meat, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to have the strength to get through the day, you need to have meat or Mm -hmm. some people, a lot of men in particular say that they're not Mm -hmm. full unless they've had meat. Mm -hmm. But actually, a lot of this is just kind of conditioning. But I think, you know, this mentality could be switched over pretty easy in Asia, I think, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people because of their, you know, uh, belief, they are vegetarians, right? Mm -hmm. But vegetarians, I think, you know, they don't eat any meat, but they still get the protein from, Mm -hmm. you know, like tofu and Mm -hmm. other and beans and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it still works in Asia, I think, you know, for people to have a non-meat feast. Mm, Non-meat feast. Right. Yeah. That's what today's show is, the non-meat feast. I know, but vegan in Chinese, what Mm -hmm. is it? Okay, so here's the difficult thing. Chensu. It's right. technically chensu, but chensu means also no wuxing, so no onions or garlic uh-huh. or anything in the allium family. And that's because the concept of vegetarianism in Chinese, especially in Taiwan, is right. tied up with religion. Mm-hmm. So there actually isn't an exact analogy for vegan. Right. I mean, a lot of times we'll transliterate and use wagen. I've heard of wagen before. Yeah, okay. So but like, most people don't know that. Most people don't know that, yeah. So mm-hmm. usually we'll say like chensu or like wu. Like that. So it means that, like, we eat onions and garlic, but we don't eat any animal products at all. Wow, it's all very fascinating. Uh, I know. We're going to move into a song. When we come back in our second course, we're going to be talking about vegan lifestyle. Lifestyle, yes. And is going to be talking about their journey into the other products, (gasps) non edible products uh, related to the vegan lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But let's go into a song that's related to our amuse bouche. (laughs) <laughs> and it's called Ye Zi Shu Xia Under the Coconut Tree. And this is by Luo Shifeng. Well, it's in Taiwanese. So, yes. how do you say that? Ye Zi Shu Xia. I don't speak too much Taiwanese. I can't, even, I can't even, you know, translate one word from it. Okay. Wait, do you speak Taiwanese? Only a little bit. I know, like, that one way, what's up? I quit. Okay. That, that's about as much as well, I can this do. this is a step above us, okay? Right. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's have a listen to this uh, retro song. And when we come back in just a moment, more about the vegan lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> Gumpa 
双人歌手较快乐，当趣味享受青春，初恋心关最声，声声对阮也亲像。无听机也无音效，去注意一切杂念。长歌是南国热带风味味，夜秋只欢迎春天结夜子，在树脚上人放蜜甜，心茫茫雨袂来真放袂离。You're listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. Okay, so you know、uh, we're talking about vegan, but vegan has carried on to a vegan lifestyle because、mm-hmm. you know it's not only the things that they eat, but also the things they they use cannot be related to any animal product.、Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of things that's made out of animal products? Yeah, actually. So, like, vegan cosmetics is a huge one. Oh,、okay. like especially in the U.S., a lot of people really care about it. Uh huh. Because things like carmine, carmine is actually it's a red pigment that is derived from crushed beetles. So red beetles. <laughs> really? Yeah, and they use it anything that's red, blush, eyeshadow, lipstick, a lot. Ew! I know, right? So, like, even before I was vegan, I was like, I'm only using vegan cosmetics. Like, this is so gross. I don't want beetles <laughs> on my eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs>、no. Oh my goodness! I've been putting beetles on my eyes and my face. I mean, not necessarily. It really depends on what you're using, but a lot of them do. Have okay.、It. Yeah. So,、right. actually, a lot of those dyes go into sodas as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we did a show,、mm-hmm. and then. It was made from bugs, right?、Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and also paintballs contain like gelatin. Oh yeah, gelatin. That's、right. a huge one.、Uh-huh. And detergents,、mm-hmm. fatty acid,、mm-hmm. wine sometimes because、okay. they filter through fish bladders or egg、oh. whites. So there's like vegan wine and non-vegan. How、wine. about our hair color? Hair color, yeah. So like my hair color, I only use vegan hair cosmetics. Okay.、Um, and basically, I just search online. So、okay. yeah, like my hairstylist, they know about it. So. Oh, they just opened a new salon, actually, and they used only like plant-based products.、Wow. I just noticed you actually have some purple in your hair too. Yeah, I said pink earlier. I'm sorry. It's、I、purple pink. Purple and pink. Purple <laughs> pink and a little bit orange too. Yeah, orange on the yeah, end. it's beautiful. Yeah. A couple、okay. other weird things I didn't know that are potentially not vegan: dryer sheets. They、mm-hmm. list fatty acid as an ingredient. Yeah. Why? Why would you need fatty acid in there? I mean, it's a chemical thing, right? Sometimes、okay. you just need a lipid. I think、okay. it makes things smoother. A、uh-huh. lipid.、Yeah. Sometimes you just need a lipid. Are there are there vegan lipids? There are. Yeah. I mean, they're just like you know, palm oil, coconut oil, shea butter, all of those things. Yeah. Oh, those are good lipids. Oh, yeah. Then why don't they just use that? Yeah. yeah, why don't they just use that? Sometimes it's cost or convenience. So actually,、okay. another really gross thing I found out、oh, is、no. um, cheaper cosmetics. They'll use like animal fat rendered from like roadkill. Oh! Can you tell us brand? <laughs> I cannot because、oh. a lot of it happens. Like, so this is what I've heard is like you know because in, you get roadkill and then it's like. Product,、mm. so、okay. they just like render the animal. You get the fat, and then you bleach it. You like unscent it. They go through a lot of chemical processes, and they just put it in a gallon tub and sell it to a supplier.、Okay. And then the cosmetics companies buy these tubs, and like they don't ask where it comes from. 
Well, Ooh. I mean, at least the animal wasn't intentionally killed. I guess so, but like... But roadkill on your face. Yeah, but roadkill on your face, so... <laughs> Flash! Sure. So this is the thing I'm dying to ask, because uh-huh. you have actually created a sunscreen mm-hmm. that, and I, that got me wondering, like, how could a sunscreen not be vegan? What could be in a sunscreen that makes inside? it not vegan? I know, what's inside? I think a lot of sunscreens actually are vegan, but it's like, the thing is, for me, it was the chemicals. Okay. So there's two types of ways that sunscreens work. One of them is chemical. And basically what happens is there's specific chemicals that bond with your skin, which is why you have to put on sunscreen 30 minutes before you go out. And what it does is it absorbs the sun's rays and lets them go as heat. So that way the UV rays don't penetrate your skin and cause it skin cancer. Off, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But that's like a chemical process that happens okay. inside your skin. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these chemicals have been shown to cause harm to marine life. So that's where coral bleaching comes from. Right. So like Hawaii recently banned two of the most common um, chemicals in chemical sunscreen that cause coral bleaching. So basically it kills the marine life. What are those right. two chemicals? Uh, oxybenzoate and another one that starts with O. <laughs> I think, you know, when I went to Green Island last month, mm-hmm. the tour guide told us not to wear sunscreen when we go and do like, Into the you know, water. Right. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. To, in order to protect the coral. In right. order to protect the coral, yeah. And also other marine life. Because if you think about it, if you put on sunscreen as a chemical, you go into the water, that's going to be washing off. And mm-hmm. that's going to be affecting the entire ecosystem underwater. Oof. So... Wow. I mean, that is a huge issue. And so that's why I wanted to create this sunscreen initially, because I love going to the beach. <laughs> and, and it bonds with your skin? So this one does not. This one is a physical sunscreen. Okay. So that's the other kind. Titanium uh, dioxide and zinc oxide are the two chemicals or minerals that um, pro- provide a physical barrier. So you can put this on like right away and it uh, provides protection right away because it's basically tiny, like millions of tiny little shields on your skin that are just like keeping the sun rays off. Mm. Yeah. So it's basically, it's like armor. And you can try it. And it's non-nano too. And it's non-nano. It means that it's not so tiny that it's actually absorbed into the skin. It smells good. It just stays Mm -hmm. on the, the surface of the skin. Yes. So oh. one of the reasons people really don't like physical sunscreen it sometimes pink and purple. Yeah. But <laughs> so then if you pretty. like if you rub it out, it that color actually disappears. Yeah. And so that's one of the things initially why people didn't like physical sunscreen is because of that white cast that you get oh, on it. I don't so, mind. What yeah. is the smell? What is the So the this pregnancy? one is lemon verbena. Wow. This I love is our it. first sample. Yeah. And this one is actually it's more for hiking. So the lemon verbena actually also acts as a mosquito repellent. It's a bug repellent. <laughs> Look. We're like well, yeah. what? <laughs> you're just like putting already. it on. Putting it all over our faces and our I hands. I just yeah. want to bathe in this. I love I verbena. Me yes. too. Such a big fan. You know what's Me funny? Too. I bought this verbena shampoo even though I don't mm-hmm. have hair. <laughs> <laughs> so where how, do you shampoo? Oh, I just rub it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> my little hairs. Your, um, your, your eyelash? My eyelashes, my eye, my non-existent <laughs> eyebrows mm-hmm. um, also benefit from that. Um, so uh, in just a moment when we return in our third course, we're going to actually do have you do a Shark Tank elevator pitch for your product. Okay. I'm very excited about that. It's the first time we've done that on the feast. Yes. Yes. So are you ready for that? Yes. So ready. So All ready. Right. Um, but we're going to go into another song. Mm-hmm. And this one is called Jian Kang Mei. So okay. Healthy and Beautiful by Chen Huanren. Much more to come when the feast continues. Okay. Woo. <laughs> 
Some tough judges today. That's We're going right. to start a Shark Tank right here in our studio. That's right. And Doris is going to tell us about their products. Uh, do you want a timer? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wait, how long do you want the pitch to be? Let's say... Like 30 seconds? Let's do a 30-second elevator pitch. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cute. All right. Are you ready? Yes, we are so ready. All right. Go ahead. Okay. So this is Simply the Best. We are Taiwan's first... Completely vegan, zero waste, reef safe sunscreen. So the reason we created this product is because I personally love the beach and all of the reef safe sunscreens available in the Taiwan market are imported and they're very expensive. It's like $500 for a little tube. So I thought, you know, I want to create one that is accessible to everyone. And I was very lucky. We met someone with 20 years of experience in the skincare and cosmetics industry. They got a factory. We have samples now. And it is going to be 100% plant-based, zero waste, and a biodegradable paper packaging and stick formula that contains non-nano zinc oxide, which acts as a physical barrier on your skin to protect you from the sun's rays while protecting marine life. Oh, yes. Wow, you're sold. Yes, absolutely. If I was a venture capitalist, I would put some money on that right now. Exactly. Slap it right there. Slap it right there. You mentioned something in your pitch that I think Mm -hmm. is fascinating. You said that it is a zero waste product. What does that mean? Okay, so zero waste is a movement that's been hugely trending recently, especially in the younger demographic. And basically, it means that the item that you have um, does not create any trash that is not completely like biodegradable or like can be returned or recycled back into the earth so tell me about the packaging so right now we have this paper package it does have a wax coating on the outside but the inside is uncoated and that's to facilitate the eventual uh, biodegradation of the paper package so leaving no traces behind no trace yeah but would this like increase the cost of the product Yes, it does. So Uh the thing with plastic, why so many people use it is because plastic is very cheap. Mm -hmm. However, plastic is unsustainable. Like we only have so much petroleum in the world. We only have so many fossil fuels and plastic sticks around for like 500 years after we use it. So, I mean, if we're thinking in the long term, we should really, you know, be going back to paper and aluminum, things that are either completely recyclable or we can, um, you know, return it to the earth. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Yeah. So where are you in the process of developing this product? So right now we are actually still sourcing a factory that can make it up to my standards. Like we do have a very excellent sample right now, but it's still not 100% what I want. I want it to be 100% organic and natural. And this one, unfortunately, is not yet organic. So right now we're looking for a factory that's willing to do that. One of the issues we ran into is actually um, EcoCert. So EcoCert is a European certification that shows that your product is made in a completely organic way. But one of the issues is that your entire production line has to be EcoCert certified and none of the factories in Taiwan do that. Ooh. Wow. 
That's hard. So are you going to start your own factory now? (laughs) Maybe. If someone puts enough money in, we can do our own factory. Mm. But right now there are more and more factories that are waking up to this. And what they're doing is they're offering EcoCert ingredients. Mm. So you can have individual ingredients that are EcoCertified. And then even though the production line itself is not organic only, I feel like as a startup, that's good enough. We're really interested in this product. You know, know, it's on the market. We, We would buy it, right? Yeah. Thank you. You yeah. have to stay in touch with us. Definitely. Now, you're actually going to be working to get the word out at a vegan festival. festival. In fact, there are yes. two vegan festivals happening at the same time in Taiwan, December 5th and 6th. Tell us about both of those. Okay, so... Very exciting. And they're the exact same weekend. So you guys can like festival hop. It's going to be <laughs> Taiwan Vegan Frenzy is going to be in Tainan. And then the other one is No Meat Festival. That's going to be in Puli at the mm-hmm. exact same weekend. And that one you Ooh. said um, the whole village of the Puli. The whole village is going to be vegetarian. So I guess this is a tradition going back hundreds of years. And every single food venue in that village on like this holiday go completely vegetarian. But so, they have like McDonald's there. Yeah. So the McDonald's, the KFC, everything. They go vegan as well or they, vegetarian? They go vegetarian, yeah. Wait, really? What do they serve? There's nothing they, there. They have the vegan burger, right? I oh, guess they, they have to. I mean, McDonald's has vegan burgers in like Sweden. Fries. And stuff. And they have vegan fries, yes. Oh my goodness. But, like, actually, KFC in China just launched a vegan chicken nuggets through a partnership really? with Green Monday. Yeah. They can't call wow. them chicken nuggets. They have to call them vegan nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> They're chicken-like nuggets. Licking nuggets. Okay, licking nuggets. <laughs> I that, that's good. Finger licking yeah. nuggets. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so definitely get down there and check it out. And another right. thing I want to plug for No Meat is that No Meat is actually a zero-waste um, festival. Mm-hmm. So every single vendor in that festival is required to not give you any single use disposable Yay. products. Wow. So bring your bowls, bring your, bring your uh, reusable chopsticks, yes. your bring forks your and spoons, stuff, your cups, right? your yeah. thermos. Well, yeah. it has been a pleasure talking with you today, Doris. I know, we learned so much. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and we should keep our eyes out for the product called Simply the Best. Simply the so. Best, yeah. Sunscreen. First product is called Simply Sun. Simply Sun. Simply Sun. Simply Sun. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sun. I like the alliteration. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank Thank you you. so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And we want to leave you with our addresses today. Right. So if you want to tell us a little bit of feedback after today's show, you can write to us at P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw. That's right. And next Saturday in the Feast, join us. We're going to be sampling a beer made from 100-year-old yeast. So beer, a vegan? Uh, Some of them, most of them are. Yes, I think this is. Yes. And one final song today. Yes. This is called Ye Shen Dong Wu. This is not a vegan song. (laughs) Well, no, it's it's, these are the animals that we're protecting. All right, it's alive, so it's okay. (laughs) Well, well, we're not going to eat the animal. Yes. The show is for the animal. All right. Hopefully they're listening. They're celebrating right now. And this is by Jia Jia. That's right. For Feast News Us, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen. And thanks again to Doris. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye.
Overseas Community Affairs Council is encouraging overseas journalists to report on the contributions Taiwanese have made to the world, so that the world can see Taiwan. The OCAC is launching the Chinese Language Journalism Award for Overseas Media. Journalists can compete for two awards: the Print and Digital Report Award and the Broadcast Report Award. Entries that showcase in-depth professional reporting have the chance to win $2,500 U.S. dollars. The deadline is November 30th. Go to www.ocac.gov.tw for details. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kilohertz. In South Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti@rti.org.tw. At 